0: Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality to point you to the place where you will find your ultimate destiny and purpose that is ever enlarging in creative fulfillment in fellowship with the one true eternal God who is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. For those of you that are new, I just uh, want to mention briefly that you can check out a flip book which you can read for free on my website at ultimatemeaning.com which has very original thought and writing by the gifting of God's Spirit through me and has highlighted and read links to many YouTube videos that highly confirm from many fields of science and archaeology, the reality of what I am sharing here, which is the very reason for which everything exists, for which you exist. What is it? It is love. The very source of reality and of this universe is love. That may seem strange to you. But not when I begin to explain what that is, briefly here. There is an ultimate perfection of love, a love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. You see, any lesser choice would obviously have a measure of corruption in it. This love is so pure in its integrity that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. It is the very opposite of corruption. It is the antithesis of corruption. This is the defensive aspect of the being of God's love. It is the holiness of God or the holiness of his love. It is represented in a negative symbol in mathematics and electricity and really all of nature's, filled with negatives and positives that hold things together or repel things apart. But the negative symbol represents an indestructible foundation and also the cutting off of all corruption. And it is only this quality within the being of God that can ensure a destiny where there is no corruption, that can go on, therefore, forever and ever, ever enlarging in creative fulfillment of loving fellowship with God and with one another whom he has created us to partake with, with him, in his wonderful, ever enlarging, creative creation no one is heaven the other aspect of this love is in the positive symbol which crosses out the negative forming the positive or the symbol of the cross and I want to add here that that is the last symbol letter symbol in the ancient Hebrew alphabet and also in all the languages at that time going back from 1500 BC 2000 BC and earlier It was this symbol of the cross, which in that time represented, was the word for symbol or sign. Yes, the cross. So those people that protest crosses, they don't have any argument because this was the symbol or sign that was used way back at the very beginning of written languages and meant symbol or sign. But this positive symbol is in this, is that in the quality of God's being of love, there is such an ultimate quality in that perfection that he was always able from the infinite past to be able to take judgment upon himself and absorb it for those that would choose to repent. That quality was always in the being of God. Yes, God is so great that he can actually communicate with what he has created. Yeah, on a little speck of a planet that's like a speck of a grain of sand in the midst of all the grains of sand in this earth, compared to the vastness of the universe he's created. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens. And the heavens are far greater than the earth. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heaven of heavens. Speaking of galaxies which have billions of stars, many of them a thousand times greater than our star, our star being a thousand times greater than the earth. Yes, God communicates with his creation. He did in Genesis 18 with Abraham. There was three angels that appeared before Abraham maybe about 10 feet or so ahead of his tent door. He runs to them and says, Can I make you a meal? And they sit and eat with him. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name of the one true eternal God in the Old Testament. That was Jesus Christ. You see, God is so great that he can actually condescend and communicate with his creation and more than that he came in Jesus Christ the full perfection of the being of God came into this world incarnated through Mary whose blood came forth not from a normal man but from God Himself moving upon her by His Spirit yes And he came and lived in this world in total perfect union with God, the Father. And maybe I should at this point explain that we believe in only one God, but there are three personages in the one God, because that's the only way God could possibly rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence. Because he would have to do that simultaneously, obviously, be ruling, in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation as the Father, beyond the time and space realm, and creation as the Father in the creation realm, as the Son, and there are many dimensions of time and, and in the creation realm, and there's the ten dimensions found in particle physics, the dimension four to ten, are superior to the physical dimension by far. And so, Jesus Christ comes into this creation realm, the full perfection of the being of God, and he became a perfect, atoning, substitutionary sacrifice on the cross for you. And the other aspect, the third aspect of which God is in personage, is the aspect of omnipresence, that he fills all dimensions of time and space in creation and omnipresence and beyond with the Father. So there's only one God, simultaneously in three personages to be able to rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence and so i'm sharing with you the good news and this message is for those who have chosen to repent and be reconciled to the please, one please true god please leave your message after the Yes, this one true God loves you that much. This love is beyond one's imagination. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love, nor that could exist that is greater than this love. It is only this love that would be an ultimate trustworthiness. It would be worthy to contain unlimited authority, power, and life without using it in a corrupt way or being corrupted by it, and therefore is obviously indicative that he is the very source of love, of life, of reality, of all creation. Only such governance could could ever enlarge without eventually falling apart by corruption because this love is the very opposite of corruption and of death. Yes, the angels, they live in the very direct presence of God and they experience the flow and the life of the Spirit of God and his blessing and his glory from the time they're created. And for them to go directly against that is to go against the Spirit of God And in such cases, there isn't redemption through the atoning substitutionary sacrifice of God on the cross. But we are created with, in this third dimension, physical bodies through which we are tempted and so on. And so our rebellion is indirect through the physical. And so it's not directly against the Spirit of God. And therefore God has made a way for us to be brought into harmony with him out of our rebellions through being able through his physical body to be a perfect atoning sacrifice for us and through his blood that was outpoured on the cross to be cleansed and forgiven of our sins. This message is for those that have repented and truly from the depths of their heart cried unto God to have mercy on them and to forgive them and to cleanse them and to be the Lord and the savior of their lives. I wanna share with you now how I share these messages. I cast Lot by using two independent random applications on the internet to get the possibility of any chapter And I do it with two independent random applications to get two chapters so that those two chapters would bear witness with each other as to the theme that God is wanting to say to his people at this hour. This is a message to the churches in this hour on this day of July the 4th of 2022, which I believe is Independence Day in the United States, a time of great crisis when there's been a communist Marxist government that has taken over time of great crisis when we have seen an attempt a global attempt to oppress the world with a communist dictatorship that would treat people terribly and oppressively and is seeking to eliminate great portions of the population of the earth by killing them quickly through these vaccines which have been shown to be killing many people through the insurance statistics coming out of insurance companies not just small ones but really big ones and many other sources just go to Wrens hyphenlaw.com, R-E-N-Z, hyphenlaw.com, where there's lawyers there that have the statistics. That's just one place of many that is irrefutable. You've got these people like George Soros and Bill Gates, and then you got Klaus Schwab and the Economic Forum. They're all talking about eliminating the world population down from, what, 7 billion to 1 billion? And they have all, well, own almost all the wealth and are bribing people deliberately. And Klaus Schwab boasts boasts that he's infiltrated Canada, the parliament there, the majority of it, Trudeau. He gives them big money to do his bidding. And they're working in conjunction with the Chinese Communist Party, which has been infiltrating every strat of society, especially in the United States, for the last 30 years. You know, the banks the educational system, the media. Yeah. Find out all the evidence. So you don't listen to the media today, that's the normal media, because they're lying to you. They're not telling you the truth. It's not like it was 30 years ago. Now they lie to you all the time. So that's why you got things like the Stu Peters Show. Well, you can go to my website. Stu Peters Show has a higher rating than CNN and, and Fox News with... Um, Sean Hannity and so on. Yeah, he's at Rad Voice Media. But you can get all those links. They're all there on my website at ultimatemeaning.com or loverealize.com. They're on the homepage. You'll see them there. Well, I want to share with you what I received today from the Word of God. What his message is to the churches. You see, we are, it says in 1 Peter 4.11, we are to speak as the oracles of God. To one another. When we gather together, we're to seek to let the Spirit of God speak out of us. This is why it says in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Because when we worship God in great humility and reverence and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves with creative utterances that can come forth in many ways, but are coming from the Spirit of God. So I will seek out of worship to speak this message to you. Not knowing what I'm going to speak from these two chapters I received. I only spent a half an hour meditating on them and reading them. And I don't know what I'm going to share from them. But I know that's what God wants for this hour. And don't belittle the casting of the lot, for it was powerfully used over and over again in the old testament it was used by the early church it was used by powerful movements of revival like the moravians you, you don't you dare use it if you're not right with god and walking in a pleasing relationship with him then you could consider it divination i'm doing it because god's led me to do it this way to give a message that facilitates what God is saying by His Spirit to you as an individual today into the churches. And so I want to share with you what I received today. But first of all, I also seek to get a hymn by the casting of Lot. So I will sing that hymn along with you now by the casting of Lot that I received this day from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns, many of them that have come out of the underground church in China with the work of Wachimini back who was martyred back in 1972. Uh, many songs throughout church history are in here. This one's from th- church history. Um, and I have other sources that I seek for a song. And So this is the song that we have today to sing by the casting of lot. I'm going to just make sure it starts at the very beginning here. Here we go. a wonderful song so today I will share what I received but also on Sunday I usually give a message by video once a week and this Sunday I got carried away with technical issues and trying to get all of these songs on the playlist working properly and choosing the proper song and it took up too much time because I want to finish writing my book on the evidence of life after death. It's not just on the evidence, it's showing what conclusions one can draw from the many that have experienced coming back into their body. But all of that took time, and um, I wanted time for writing the book, so I didn't manage to get my message out yesterday. So I will share with you also, briefly, what I shared, or what I should have shared yesterday, what I received yesterday on Sunday, was Psalm 74 in Revelations 22 by the casting of Lot. And what is common in both of those chapters is the congregation of the Lord, the sanctuary of the Lord in Psalm 74, which is also really a description in Revelations 22 of the final abode of dwelling of God with man, because that is heaven that is described in Revelations 22. And in Psalm 74, it's basically the sanctuary of God being defiled by the enemy. And so it's a contrast. God's purpose is ultimately that he will dwell with man. And he will, and we see this beautiful description of heaven in Revelations 22. And yet there can be in our journey. Times when it seems like God's allowing the enemy to do as he will against us. And that is the case here in Psalm 74. It says, remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary." Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. So these are protesters coming right into the congregation of the world with their own little signs. We've seen that happening across the states with the same sex marriage stuff and other things that they've been protesting, like with the abortion issue and so on. And so we see this evil that the enemy would dare go to such an extent. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary, it says in verse 7. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. And then it says in the last part here of Psalm 74, Thou didst cleave the foundation and the flood. Thou driest up mighty rivers. The day is thine. The night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. And of course, in Revelations 22, it shows that there's no need of the sun anymore because it's a new heaven and a new earth and the source of the light is God himself. And of course, that is the case with those that have experienced dying, highly verified to have been dead in their body, some for almost two hours like Dean Braxton, highly verified by medical equipment and doctors to have died with no heartbeat, with flat brain readings for almost two hours. And you can look him up on the internet, on YouTube. Braxton is spelled B-R-A-X-T-O-N. If you type N-D-E in front, that stands for near-death experiences. And his name, that's an example. He describes, as so do other genuine Christians, what it is they experience in heaven and one of the things they make very clear is that the light is so bright that if we were in our physical body it would burn our eyes out like looking at an atomic bomb it is so colorful there is so many colors way beyond this dimension that don't exist in this dimension there is Intelligence that is beyond your comprehension. I mean, they can absorb whole dictionaries in a few seconds. So let's put it that way. They can absorb every thought they've had in their life, their whole life, and how it affected people, ten people over. And just know that in just a few minutes. Just seems in a flash. They can absorb it all. The plants communicate telepathically. They can sing. The trees can sing to you and they can communicate telepathically. The people more like to communicate that way because it's so fast, but then they sing to one another. They can speak to one another as well, but they can observe so much instant and it's so clear. But the source of the light is love and it's the love of God it's so intense that it causes this light it lightens everything that brings life to everything that is the very source of heaven and God wants us to know in this world his light in our lives and the shining of his countenance into our heart with the love that comes from him that also is doing this wonderful beautiful mosaic and glory known as heaven in the new jerusalem so that is what i received on Sunday it was a contrast between us knowing his tabernacling among us here but in warfare where even the physical dwellings of God sometimes as they were in the nation of Israel were attacked we know the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God in the temple in the last days it already happened in church history with Antiochus Epiphanes which is a four-type of the Antichrist, so is Hitler a four-type of the Antichrist. There's been seven four-types like that that have been totally anti-God and against the Jews throughout history, which are the ones that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, the seven heads. And of course, the beast is of those seven and is the eighth, which is what is to about to come in the near future. But he will again set himself up in the temple of God. But the time is coming when we will know God dwelling in our midst and where the wicked will be destroyed and we will live forever and ever and ever. Worshiping God with beautiful creative expressions and that's where we will find our ultimate pleasure. It's in the presence of God, loving God and letting God love us. I want to share with you today what I received by the casting of Lot. I received today, on July the 4th, Numbers 6 and Isaiah 48. And what is in Numbers 6 is, first of all, the description of the Nazarite and the things that they had to do to separate themselves for a period of time. As a consecration, as a vow unto God to be pure. But then at the end of Numbers it says this, in Numbers 622 to 26, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord, and the word Lord there in the original Hebrews Yahweh, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. What were we talking about? The shining of God's loving countenance upon us as it is in the new Jerusalem, where his love shines so bright that it enlivens and is the very source of all creation. So it says here, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. We need to pray that prayer and we need to ask God that his all-consuming love would shine upon us so that if there's any dross in our heart, his all-searching eyes of love would purge it out Maybe we even need a vision like Isaiah of the holiness of God so that we cry out and we say, Woe is me, woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips that dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Believe me, if you ever have a direct revelation of the glory of God, you will feel like you are undone before him, And I know because I am not one that talks about having many visions, and I don't. But one open vision I had in my life I will never forget in 1975, when I was under the pressure of great condemnation, thinking that God was rejecting me, and at the same time had an incredible hunger for God. And I will not go to describe that, except to say that I was praying for weeks before lord i've experienced the baptism of the holy spirit but i have never experienced what your word says that if you keep my commandments i will reveal the son to you and i prayed and i prayed and i said lord i want this experience i want you to reveal yourself to me and then it happened when i wasn't expecting it at one in the morning in a house with two other, three other people that were there when it happened. And one of them turned to me and said, Dave, you're birthing Christ. And indeed I was, because I was so condemned and I cried out in a wail because I suddenly knew I was his son because the Lord touched me on the back of my head. And that verse rung strongly in me You are complete in him. And the other verse he spoke to me so strongly was, I am bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. And I looked at my hands and it was like I was looking at the hands of Christ. And yet I know they weren't the hands of Christ. They were my hands. But it was like I was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And I let out a wail of relief because I knew I was forgiven. I knew I was cleansed. That was a powerful experience. And I won't go into it, but I saw vanity being shown to me. Because I I loved this woman. That was such a godly woman. I really loved her. and, And spiritually, and when I looked at her face, time went fast and her face filled with wrinkles and then I wasn't seeing her face, I was seeing another face and it was a Lord and it was like there was such a holiness that went right into me and I knew if I kept looking I would die I would die I was dying, I experienced dying, I couldn't, I was just totally I felt like I was going to die I was experiencing it not just in my head, I was experiencing it in my body that I was going to die It was like what I was looking at wasn't just something outward, it was going right through my being of the face of Christ and his face with a steer, was a a steer stare that was serious like the look of a captain. And yet at the same time, in those eyes, there was incredible love. It was like he meant business with me. And then I felt myself going up as an offering. Being burnt up as an offering, being burned as a martyr at the stake for Christ, and I was filled in rapturous joy that I could offer my life unto Him, and that I was in love with Him, and that set me free from this condemnation. I didn't plan to share this in this, but that's the way it's going. I'm here just to speak as the Spirit speaks. Now, what I received today. God wants to shine his love on us. He wants to reveal his love to us, even in this world, so that when we see the enemy setting himself up and vaunting us, we know our identity where it is. It's in him. In Isaiah 48, it says this. That's the other chapter I received. I want to start in verse 9 to 10. For my name's sake, will I defer mine anger? And for my praise, will I retain refrain for thee? that I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Brothers and sisters, God loves us. He describes in Isaiah 48 how stubborn Israel is. He said, I knew you were stubborn, that you had a forehead of brass, and that you were like iron sinew. But he didn't give up on them. And God doesn't give up on us if we come to him. And we choose to buy of him the gold that is tried in the fire. That's what he said to the church of Laodicea. I counsel thee to buy of me the gold that is tried in the fire. It's a choice that we have to make. Are we willing to experience a life that is not easy in this world so that we are not condemned with this world and end up in a deep and close intimate relationship with god god loves his children enough to chastise them as we know from hebrews and anyone that is without chastisement is not even his child it's plain and straightforward We do come to a place where we say, I love my master, I love my Lord, I will not go free. I might be deceptive like Jacob and stubborn in my ways, but God can bring me to the place where he breaks me and causes me to be Israel, a prince with God. What we read here as we go on. So he says for his name's sake, he's going to defer his anger yes i knew how unworthy i was when i had that vision i deserved the judgment of god i knew how stubborn my heart was how lustful i was how deceived i was and i was abhorrent of myself but the enemy was condemning me as the high priest was condemned in zechariah i forget what chapter it is satan was standing at his right hand and he was clothed with filthy garments because Satan was condemning him and saying that's who you are and what did the Lord do because he was seeking God because he wouldn't give up like Jacob though Jacob was deceptive too Jacob would not give up he would not give up until God blessed him he wrestled and he said I will not let you go until you bless me and God wants us to have that desperation that we will not give up in our walk till God breaks us in into that place where we're in a deep union and love relationship with him brothers and sisters I speak from my heart in the spirit of God that he's calling the body of Christ to come forth out of their deception in this hour and to buy of him the gold tried in the fire Isaiah forty-eight seventeen to 22 says thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer the Holy One of Israel I am the Lord thy God which teacheth thee to profit which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldst go Oh that thou hast hearkened to my commandments! Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy boughs like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. You see, God knew he could have blessed Israel a lot more if they weren't so stubborn. If they would have yielded to him, the blessing would have been greater. Now, this is not just obeying his commandments out of some performance to appease God like Cain, which had an idolatrous monotheistic perception of God, because he focused on all the suffering and the consequences of God's holy judgment and said, my, oh, this is terrible. And he was, didn't recognize that the holiness of God had to be severe or that that severity was good because it ensured no corruption. It ensured a destiny of heaven eventually. No, he was focused on the immediate, on the suffering caused. God doesn't want us to develop a Cain mindset in keeping his commandments. And he did not want Israel to develop that. He wanted them to know a reverence for him and a love for his voice. That they would want to because of who he is and his love and mercy to them. He already showed great mercy to them, bringing them through the Red Sea and so on. He showed mercy to them in the animal sacrifices because they could know the assurance that God would forgive them, not because the animal could forgive them, but because they knew God had the quality in his being to forgive them without violating the integrity of his love to judge sin. But there can be those that are deceived to think that God, if he can forgive them, then maybe it's because he overlooks sin but he doesn't overlook the slightest sin. And that was clear to those in the Old Testament. They would not deceive themselves that way so that they would buy into idolatrous perceptions of God and eventually fall into believing in many gods that were not God. They would have been more blessed if they would have entered in to knowing the righteousness of God and not trusting in their own righteousness it is very clear i believe in ezekiel 33 there's a verse that says if the righteous turn from his righteousness because he trust in his righteousness yes they knew that righteousness did not come from them but out of a love relationship with god that is the only way you could be righteous, was to be reciprocative of who God is in his righteousness, so that you do not trust in yours. And they knew that from the beginning, and yet they fell trapped in to the letter of the law. So that they trusted and were focused on themselves, like Cain, on their own righteousness. That's the deception. Known. In Jacob as well that God broke to make him Israel because when he was wrestling there he probably saw in the face of God Esau with worthy judgment upon him but in that worthiness that he deserved judgment from Esau for doing what he did to Esau he saw the face of God and yes the face of God as severe as it was in my vision against sin I saw a serious look like a captain but in that look there was love there was mercy God is calling his people now to begin to have a hunger and a thirst for him by turning from the loves of the world that are quenching your thirst, so that you're thirsty like Jacob, though you're deceived, and though you feel like you can't deliver yourself from the stubbornness of your own ways, you can know the power of God in your life as you seek Him, that will bring you through those trials to the place of a wonderful love relationship with Christ, that is victorious in this present world, And that is what God is saying. And so we continue to read here. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. That's how that chapter ends. You see, people need peace. It's What is the peace of God? The peace of God comes when we have his presence. His spirit brings peace. That's why Christ could be in the midst of the stormy ship. And sleep because he was abiding in the presence of God and knew that whatever God allowed, he was allowing for his glory to happen. And so he could rise up and not be worried as he saw the waves threatening around and say, peace or the presence of God now that's controlling those stormy waves because his presence is attached to everything. Be still. And we need to know that authority in us, brothers and sisters, where we can bring peace where there is no peace in this hour. He's calling the body of Christ to rise up and to deliver their nation from civil war and from all the terrible things that are about to soon happen by standing in the gap, by repenting and becoming the bride of Christ that he's called you to be. I've written a book called Godheadship and Body Invasion, which shares how you should not in your, gives you it's over 200 some odd pages, 270 some odd pages, sharing what to do in your congregation. Things you can do to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your, congregation corporately so that the glory of God comes to dwell in your midst. You cast off your denominational cloaks or whatever cloaks are on your congregation and allow those grave clothes to come off so that you begin to emanate the love and the glory of God and conquer your city, your community. And as churches do this across the land and truly repent and turn to God and become his house of holiness and prayer, you will conquer your nation with the love of God, and God will bring deliverance to the land. And may it even happen this day on July the 4th, which is Independence Day in the United States. I pray that it happens, that it is already in the heart of people, that they are so desperate that they will choose to do this even after God brings that great deliverance to the land. They will never go back. To just being a church. They will be God's awakened, conquering bride church in every locality throughout the nation and throughout the nations of the world, throughout here where I am in Canada. God bless you and thank you for listening to this message.